The following message, entitled A Mighty Fortress, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 21st of June, 2015. To learn more about our church, please continue to visit sgcindianapa.org. Welcome. My name's Mark. I'm also one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. Can we do this just before we do anything else? Can, can we pray for the families of the victims in Charleston, South Carolina, victims of the tragic shooting? Lord, we, Jesus, we just pray for those family members and friends of those children of yours, those people who were murdered, and we ask you to please comfort those families and friends. Please comfort that church. Please protect them, Lord Jesus. Please fill them, Lord, with just a sense of your nearness. Lord, we pray you just have mercy on that whole city. We pray, Jesus, that the love of Christians for one another would be manifest. Lord, that people would see that believers love one another and that race doesn't matter. That Jesus and His glory matters. And Lord, we just ask You to have mercy on that young man who did this horrible, evil thing that you would please somehow break through into his life and save him. We ask you to rescue him from his sins, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Lord, that you would just please pour out your mercy, though, especially on those families who've lost loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I have a a couple of announcements that I need to make before I start to preach. Uh, Fourth of July is coming up, and we'll have it in the church parking lot here, our our Fourth of July celebration, 7.30 p.m. We start, and we hang out and have lots of fun things to do and food, and then we watch the fireworks and uh, invite your friends. There are cards. uh, There should be cards nearby you, invitations. Those are for you to give to friends and uh, family members, neighbors, to invite them. We just love it when people come and be a part of it. And we love to give them free food and and, uh, just show them our um, welcoming as a church as well. So we still need about 50 more volunteers to pull off the event. So if you're able, uh, please sign up out in the, in the lobby. An, another announcement is youth camp. Please pray for youth camp this week, uh, which is Wednesday through Saturday. Please pray for good weather, safety of all involved, and that our teens and everyone there would grow in their faith and counter Christ. And parents of teens, remember, check out, check in at camp is earlier this year, starting 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday. So that'll be great. And uh, as Joe mentioned, uh, we had the one DC one-day camp this week. If you're wondering what those 
pictures of me were in there. I did a message on being a disciple. A disciple's a student. And so I asked Bob Mundorf's daughter, Gracie, if she could come. She was in the play Pilgrim, and she played a teenage girl with, uh, I don't know what the accent is called. Uh, it used to be years ago called the Valley Girl. It's some variation on that. And so she was to disciple me and to teach me to be a Valley Girl or to talk like one. And so, you know, the first thing she had to teach me was how to stand. You had to have your hand on your hip. And, uh, and then she told me, no, it has to be higher. So I had to move my hand up like this. Had to have sunglasses perched up here. And then she was teaching me all of the ways to talk. The first thing I had to learn is say, Shia! Shia! And then I had to kind of be disgusted the whole time, rolling my eyes. and say, Shia! And, and then, Ew! 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 And then I had to say stuff like, Joe Ryer, Shia! Your clothes are so not! You know, so... Uh, it wasn't very good compared to her. Gracie is much better at it, but she was attempting to disciple me, so that's what that was all about. And we will have another discipling lesson at youth camp, a different, which is going to be a surprise, so I can't tell you in case you're coming to youth camp. All right, um, but sometime between the year 1527 and 1529, Martin Luther wrote his famous hymn, Ein feste Berg ist unster Gott. Anybody know what that is? What was that? A mighty fortress is our God. Yes. And that's the title of this morning's message, A Mighty Fortress. We're going to be looking at Psalm 34. Now you can project it. Thanks, Brian. I told him to hold off on the title there. And the lyrics to this, the first couple verses, there's actually 12 or more verses, but the first couple verses say, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Now, I had to look that up because I sung that for years and didn't know what a bulwark was. It's a defensive wall. A defensive wall. A mighty fortress is our God, a defensive wall, never failing. Our helper He amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not His equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus. It is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name. And that Sabaoth, I had to look that up too, means Lord of hosts. Or the Lord of all the armies of heaven. That's Jesus. And He is on our side. And from age to age the same. And He must win the battle. And about a thousand years before Christ, David, the king of Israel, wrote his own version of a mighty fortress that we're going to look at today. And that's Psalm 34. Psalm 34. So let's look at that. We'll project it, but if you want, you can look in your Bible. Psalm 34. It says, Of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to Me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of His servants. And none of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. Well, Lord, thank You for Your Word. Please speak to us and encourage us this morning. Help me, Lord. Help us to read Your Word, to be encouraged by it, and to believe it, and to put it in practice in our lives. In Jesus' name. This is 22 verses, and it is so rich. And I, if I had to be stranded on a desert island, and I could only have one chapter in the Bible, it might be this, although I'd probably have something about Jesus. But if I could only have one psalm, it would be this. This is one of my favorite passage, passages in the Bible. It always encourages me. And the reason I chose Mighty Fortress, even though this psalm doesn't have that in it, is because twice it mentions taking refuge in God. Verse 8 and verse 22. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. You take refuge in a fortress. And none of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. Verse 22. And in the subtitle, Underneath Psalm 34, David tells why he wrote this psalm. Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. In 1 Samuel 21, 10-15, we read that David fled for his life from Saul and he went to the Philistine city of Gath to take refuge under the king Achish. And this is the same person as Abimelech. Abimelech was the royal name of the Philistine kings. Achish was his personal name. So David fled there. Maybe he was hoping he could serve Achish 
or Abimelech as a hired mercenary. But he was fleeing from Saul. But when he gets there, verse 11, it says, the servants of Achish said to him, is not this David king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now David was not actually king at this point, but he had quite a reputation. He was Israel's big hero. He had won numerous battles. And that's why they, there were songs about him. They, they'd sing, Saul, Saul, who was the king, has struck down his thousands, but David has struck down his ten thousands. Saul was jealous, wanted to kill David, so he flees to this Philistine king. And the servants of the king say, this is your chance. You can take down the hero of Israel. You can throw this guy into prison or you can kill this guy. And David hears about this and he's terrified. And so what he does, he, he seeks the Lord obviously because he says so in this psalm, but then he acts like a madman and he has saliva running down his beard and he scratches his fingernails into the door of the city gates. And the king brings, sees him acting like this and he says, Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? It's like, do I need another madman here? I, I got enough. Get rid of this guy. And so David escapes. They take him out. And so David writes this psalm as a result of God rescuing him. But David is not really the subject of the psalm. The hero of the psalm is the Lord. The Hebrew for Lord is Yahweh, and Lord is the Greek interpretation. But the Lord, the name of the Lord, appears 6,000 times in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, guess who is identified as the Lord? Jesus. Jesus Christ is identified as the Lord whose name appears in the Old Testament 6,000 times. For example, when Jesus said to Thomas, when Jesus appeared to Thomas and said, put your fingers in my hands and my wounds, Thomas had doubted the resurrection. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus didn't say, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't call me by the name of God. No, Jesus accepted that because He is Lord. He is God. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And Philippians 2.10 and 11 says, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, David mentions the Lord 16 times in these 22 verses. And so, this is about Jesus. This is about God. This is about Jesus the Lord. Sixteen times in 22 verses. He is the focus. The Lord is the focus. Bless the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Magnify the Lord. I don't know if you could project these or not. There they are. Sought the Lord. The Lord heard. The angel of the Lord. The Lord is good. Fear the Lord. Seek the Lord. Fear of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord. The face of the Lord. The Lord hears and delivers. The Lord is near. The Lord delivers and keeps. The Lord redeems. Jesus is the star of this 
psalm. It is filled with promises that Jesus hears us. Jesus protects us who are His people. Those who believe in Jesus. The Lord. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He is Lord of all the angels of heaven. He is Lord over every demon. He is Lord over all that He has created. And He hears the prayers of us who believe in Him and call on Him and trust in Him. And He's near to us. He's waiting. The Lord of all is waiting to help us when we turn to Him and take refuge in Him. And anyone who wants to, He died on the cross for our sins to pay for our sins to rescue us from God's wrath. And if we believe in Him, we have eternal life and our sins are forgiven and washed away. And you can do that this morning if you've never done that. And David David says, I, I was blessed by the Lord. I was in a desperate situation. David says, I want, I want you to do, David is saying, I want you who read this psalm, I want you to do what I do now because of the Lord's mercy to me. I praise Him all the time. And I want you to do that. And I, I, I take refuge in Him. And I want you to do that. I want you to know that just like He rescued me from this King, He'll rescue you if you take refuge in Him. And so, the first thing He says to us is take refuge in Jesus. That's the first main theme that we're going to look at in a minute. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. And this this psalm acknowledges that we have many, many hard things in life to go through as believers. Now, most of us aren't going to be captured by Philistines and have to act like madmen to escape. But all of us will go through hard things. And this psalm says that the righteous, those who trust in Jesus, those who Believe in Jesus, whom God declares righteous with the righteousness of Christ, not their own righteousness. The righteous will go through troubles, it says in verse 17. At times they'll be broken hearted, it says. At times crushed in spirit, verse 18. Verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yet, there are glorious promises in this psalm for those who take refuge in their mighty fortress, Jesus. His eyes are always toward us, it says in verse 15. When we cry for help, He hears us and delivers us out of all our troubles. So we have many. We have many in this life. But He delivers us out of them all. It says when we cry for help, He hears us and delivers us out of all our troubles. He is near to us when we're brokenhearted. And He saves us when we're crushed in spirit. And although He says many are the afflictions of the righteous, He says the Lord delivers Him out of them all. So we have a mighty fortress. We have a defensive wall. And we'll have many trials. But David says at least eight times, Take refuge in Jesus. I sought the Lord. This is what he means by taking refuge. I sought the Lord. 
Verse 4, those who look to Him, that's taking refuge. This poor man cried. Blessed is the man who takes refuge. Seek the Lord. That's taking refuge. He hears our cry when we cry out to Him. We cry for help. Verse 17, and we take refuge in Him. Verse 22, so to take refuge in God means we turn to Him in prayer. We cry out to Him. We look to Him. We keep our eyes on Him. We trust in Him. We, we wait for Him to answer. And so, He says, humble yourselves in Peter. First Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. See, David says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Peter says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves and call out to God. See, proud people don't ask for help. Proud people think, I can do this myself. I can get out of this myself. I can figure a way out. I don't need anybody to help me. David was the warrior of Israel. David was a mighty man. David had, had won numerous victories, yet he says, he says of himself, this poor man. He says, I, I need God. I, I need God. We're always tempted to take refuge in other things than God. We're, we're tempted to trust ourselves, like I said, or look to the world for relief. Or we're tempted to take refuge in drugs or alcohol or TV or entertainment. Or maybe we think money's what we really need. Maybe we're, we're taking refuge in having plenty of money. Maybe we're taking refuge in our own wits. I don't, I don't know. But David... David says, what we really need is Jesus. He can rescue us. We need to have faith. That's why David encourages us with all these promises. If we seek the Lord, He'll answer us. Look at these promises. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me. He answered me. And delivered me from all my fears. And what's implied is He'll do that for you. If you seek the Lord, He'll answer you. He'll deliver you. He says, those who look to Him are radiant. That means radiant with joy. And their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. And then more promises. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I mean, there are times when I'm praying to God, and Jesus said, If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? It says right here, Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So at times when I'm praying for someone who's sick, I, I'll just say, Father, Father, Your Word says You give good things to Your children. Health is a good thing. I pray that You'd please heal this person. I pray that You'd please have mercy and, and give them health. Freedom from, 
freedom from whatever the, this, this hardship they're going through would be a good thing, Father. And you know what is so hard to believe? It's hard to, we have to keep believing these promises. Like verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. It's so, we feel like, I've, I've prayed this a thousand times. Lord, it doesn't feel like you hear me. I mean, I've said that to God. I said, Lord, I have asked for this a thousand times for this person, in my family, whatever it would be. It, it doesn't feel like you hear me, but your word says you do. And I'm, I'm counting on that, Lord. You promise me when I pray, every single time, when I pray, you hear me. And in, in the book of James, it says the prayer of the upright is powerful and effective. I say, Lord, I don't feel powerful and effective, but you said it, so I believe these prayers are powerful and effective. I feel weak and ineffective. Can any of you relate to, to this, or is it just me? I'm not always, you know, when I pray, I, I want to have faith, and I have to stir myself to faith, and I remind myself of these promises. And so that's why I love Psalm 34, because I say, Lord, You said that the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them. Lord, You said that, that those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. See, when we take refuge in the Lord, we're building our lives upon His Word. And Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of Mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of Mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So we build our lives on the promises of God, on the Word of God. If we try to build our lives on anything else, it's shifting sand. What wonderful promises. Wonderful promises from God. I would encourage you this week to just get into Psalm 34 and, and just, just read it and read it again and get some note cards and write down thoughts about it or write in your Bible, write in a journal, whatever. Wonderful promises. I want us all to have radiant faces. Well, David's second exhortation here, his first exhortation is to take refuge in the Lord. His second one is to fear the Lord. And so in verse 7 he says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Then verse 9, oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. And then in verse 11, Come, O children, listen to Me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. See, this is so crucial for our lives. It's to take refuge in God and to fear the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord is not, doesn't mean we're scared of God. It doesn't mean I'm, just, I'm scared God is going to strike me down if I make a mistake. No, the fear of the Lord is a deep reverence for God. Because Jesus has washed away our sins and condemnation and judgment we were under. And so Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Verse Romans 8, 38 and 39, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I'm not scared of God. I know that nothing can separate me from His love, but I fear Him in a healthy way, with a healthy reverence, because I know that He will discipline me if I sin. Because it says that in Hebrews. So David says, I want to teach you the fear of the Lord. Here it is. Here's how you do it. Here's how you fear God. Verse 11, Come, O children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Hey, that's me. That's you, isn't it? Anybody want to have their life cut short? Anybody not want to see good in life? No. Well, then here's what we do. Here's how to fear the Lord. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Not in order to be saved or anything like that, because if we believe in Jesus, we are saved. But we need to fear the Lord and turn away from sin. Turn away from temptation. When Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, they were believers. I believe they were believers. They were in the church. And they lied. They sold some property. And they lied. They said, we gave to the church. We gave to you all of the whole amount that we sold the property to. But actually, they had kept back some from themselves. And Ananias came in first and he said, I gave it all. And he died on the spot. God struck him dead on the spot. And then Sapphira came in and she did the same thing and she died. Now to me, that gives me the fear of the Lord. And it's God's mercy that He doesn't do that all the time, isn't it? Cool. I would have been dead a long time ago if God didn't have mercy on me. If He, if he disciplined me instantly every time I sinned, I'm so God, glad our God is merciful. But we don't want to forget Hebrews 12, 5 and 6. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? See, as born again, sons and daughters of God. Here's an exhortation. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. Now, I don't want to get extra discipline. I mean, God's going to discipline us in one way or another. There's a certain training component to this discipline. But there are hard things God takes us through that are disciplined at times, and we don't want to go grow weary. We don't want to faint when we're going through these hard things the Lord takes us to. But I don't want to have extra discipline. I, I fear the Lord. I, I don't want Him to say, Mark, you're not turning away from sin, so I'm going to have to discipline you more. Stay away from sin. Fear the Lord. Turn off certain shows. Don't just keep watching them. Flee from certain situations at work. 
where you're tempted to get involved in sin. Turn off the computer if you're tempted on the computer. Or, or tell your wife, I'm only going to be on the computer when you can see what I'm looking at. Whatever you need to do to flee temptation and turn away from evil. Because you fear the Lord. Because you want to have a long life and blessings. So it says, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. So what do we take away today? I know I just flew through this. Jesus is Lord. He is in control of all things. He is waiting to answer our prayers. His ears are toward our cry. He wants to bless us. He wants to deliver us. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. God wants to give us good things in our lives. He wants to help us. We will go through many afflictions. Don't think that being a disciple of Jesus means you're going to have an easy life. Because you're not. You will go through many afflictions. But when you go through those afflictions, turn to the Lord. Take refuge in the Lord. He is our mighty fortress. Blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. Blessed are all those who when they're going through these many afflictions, who turn to the Lord and cry to the Lord because we know He hears us. And turning to the Lord means also that we will fear the Lord and turn away from evil. We'll have reverence for Him knowing that He is a holy God and will discipline us if we willfully sin. So, can we do this? Can we sing a little bit of A Mighty Fortress is Our God? Let's have the band come up and I'll pray while we stand and have the band come up. Lord, we want to do this. We want to bless the Lord at all times. If David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth because He was rescued from physical death, how much more, Lord, should we bless You at all times and have Your praise in our mouth because You have delivered us from eternal death? Lord, so right now, help us to just give You praise. To lift up Your praise. To bless You as You deserve. Lord, thank You that You are our mighty fortress. Thank You that You hear our prayers. Thank You that You deliver us out of our afflictions. And, and if it isn't in this life, Lord, we know that You'll deliver us when we are with You face to face in heaven, Lord. And so we have great hope and we thank You. And I just pray You'd fill every one of us with hope this morning. And that today... Lord, that our faces would be radiant with Your joy. In Jesus' name, Amen.